Welcome to the Heart of the Athlete. This is Reggie Etheridge welcoming you to the radio program for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, featuring what God is doing in the hearts and lives of coaches and athletes in Idaho. Now, here are your hosts. Well, good morning, folks, and welcome to the Heart of the Athlete, the local FCA radio show here in Idaho. My name is Ken Lewis. I'm the director for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in Idaho. And in the studio this morning is a good friend of mine and uh, uh, Ben Boast, who is a former FCA staff. Ben, it's great to have you in the studio with us this morning. Thanks, Ken. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show, and uh, it's great to have you living in the state of Idaho now. I know, especially we go back so many years, and you know the times when I would travel here, and we'd talk about that, and my desire to have lived here for such a long time, and then to now be a Treasure Valley resident is pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. Well, folks, Ben is uh, the co-founder of Love and Transformation Institute, but like Ben mentioned, he's uh, we've known each other for, for quite a long time. Ben, you were on staff with uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes uh, in the golf ministry. Correct. For, for how long did you do that? Uh, close to 10 years I was on staff with FCA Golf. And you were based out of Arizona area? Yeah, I was right? based out of Arizona. Uh, our national office was in Jacksonville, Florida, or Ponte Vedra Beach, so I would travel a decent amount. But, uh, yeah, I lived in Arizona at that time. So doing chaplain work and discipleship work with the, the golfers, uh, mostly in, was it the Nationwide Tour or the Nike Tour? Yeah, it started on the Nationwide Tour in about 2006, and then uh, over time developed into relationships out on the PGA Tour. Uh, we la- we launched a program called Game Day, which I think you all still do here yeah. at the Albertsons Boise Open, uh, which is very exciting. And so I ran that program for six years, but then also was responsible for doing chaplaincy work on the PGA Tour as well. Wow, so a lot of travel. A lot of travel. I was gone a couple times a week for about three days, seemed like every month. And so, you know, maybe two to four nights away uh, from home each month. But uh, it was rewarding work. It was great uh, to be out there and to work with athletes in those environments. Wow. Well, that's great. Well, folks, we're we're just excited to have Ben on the air here this morning. And before we we want a lot of lot of cool things we want to talk about Ben this morning and what you're doing now and what's kind of brought you to Boise. But we also, um, folks, want to tell you uh, about our FCA camps coming up this summer. Um, we've got a, a mini wrestling camp that's on May 31st and June 1st. It's a Friday night, all day Saturday at Meridian High School, and it's open to first grade through twelfth grade wrestlers, guys and girls. And uh, yeah, girls wrestling is 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 a growing sport and it's been olympic sport for the last i think last two or three olympic cycles can you believe that ben i cannot believe that (laughs) but you know hey it's i saw something on tv the other night about a a young girl wrestler and i was pretty impressed yeah well i think it's it's so much better that they get to wrestle wrestle girls (laughs) and not it's not a you know guys wrestling girls is a that's a tough situation. So I think it's yeah. it's great now that they they have that. So so anyway, we have that that camp May thirty first and June first, and um, just a uh, a great opportunity there for for kids. It's not an overnight camp, so you don't stay there. And then we have our our Northwest FCA Sport Camp, which uh, is June twenty fourth through twenty eighth, and um, uh, that it, that camp is. Um, we have incredible high school and college coaches and even Olympic sport coaches and some in some cases some professional coaches that are our coaching staff. We use college athletes that are the small group leaders and they actually get to help coach as well. And uh, uh, just an amazing time. And it, folks, if you want to get more information about that, and that, that camp, that overnight camp, uh, June 24th through 28th, 
is for is uh, uh, for incoming seventh graders through twelfth graders. So, Ben, did you ever get to do one of the multi sport camp? I know you've probably done some lots of camps before. I actually was involved in helping start the golf element. I think if there's still one at this camp here in Idaho, I was involved in helping start that. So, I did go to multiple sport or overnight camps that were multi-sport uh, throughout the years, as well as, you know, just the isolated single-sport golf camps as well. So yeah. I've seen the model, been around it. I've been a camp director in the past. You know, camp is an amazing time yeah. for people to get away and for, for students to really uh, engage. So I would highly encourage anybody that's thinking about sending their son or daughter or grandson or daughter to a camp this summer that's sports-related, that this one would be a, an amazing one to go to. And I forgot that. Yeah, you did help us out one yeah. summer. Yeah, I did. I came up here and we got it going and <laughs> that, oh, chasing yeah. the white well, thanks, ball around. Thanks again for helping us out. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, folks, uh, the sports we have at that camp, obviously we have golf, and, uh, and that's been a growing sport for us and for guys and gals. And then football, uh, baseball, and the baseball we're focusing just on middle schoolers, but all the other all, all the other sports, it's junior high and high school. Um, lacrosse, soccer, wrestling, track, uh, basketball. Um, we've got some uh, pole vault specific um, coaches there as well, and uh, volleyball is like our biggest sport every year. Um, swimming, and then cross country, cheer, and uh, we've got a couple cheerleaders already signed up for this year, and then also tennis and softball, and then we're we're trying to get off the ground diving, and uh, we've got a form a gal who moved here, and she's um, Sarah Fletcher, and she's a. Uh, uh, she dove for University of Florida and University of Houston in college, wow. and she's coach diving. And she was actually on staff in Florida <laughs> for a bit. And uh, so, well, folks, you can get more information at fcaidaho.org. And um, if you've got any questions, you can get get in touch with us there. So, well, Ben, um, where did you grow up, and how did you get involved in sports? What kind of sports did you do growing up? Oh, boy. So I was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I am a Steeler fan, so don't hold it against me because I know there's a lot of Seahawks fans in this area. It's, I guess, the closest NFL team. That's right. <laughs> uh, so grew up in Pittsburgh and moved to Orange County, California when I was 10. I, I grew up playing sports. My dad introduced me to everything from baseball to basketball when I was really young. And so I play, I was a multi-sport athlete growing up, played soccer, uh, played tackle football in high school. Uh, but got introduced to golf when I was 10. Uh, I just remember driving with my dad and seeing a driving range and going, I want to try that. And I bugged him long enough to where he finally took me to a driving range and I hit a golf ball and, and fell in love. And Did he golf a lot? Yeah, he enjoyed it as something he did recreationally. Uh, it was nothing he ever did competitively. He, he played competitive baseball. Uh-huh. Uh, but my, he wasn't uh, a golfer per se at the level that I eventually got to. And so uh, by the age of 12, actually 12, I was pretty hooked into wanting to do it full time as a sport and, and be done with everything else. And I yeah. made that decision freshman year of high school after a football season that I wanted to be full time competitive golf. Uh-huh. Wow. So then you, you played the rest of your high school days and just, just golf? I did. I played at a great high school in Southern California, Santa Margarita Catholic High School. The number one girl in the nation at the time was our number five player on our, our team. Oh, wow. Uh, we were highly competitive. Uh, had, had different offers out of high school to go play at different D1s. Chose to go to a junior college, Saddleback Community College, for one year. 
and then eventually transferred to UCLA and then also played at Baylor and, and Division One collegiate golf. What was that like playing D1 golf? Was that uh, was it um, a lot of pressure in, in, uh, in what you experienced? Yeah, it's stressful. You're managing a lot. Uh, you know, golf, maintaining your game takes a lot of work in any sport. I think golf, there's so many facets that you have to manage. But then you're also going to school and going to a university like UCLA, uh, highly demanding. Not that uh, every university isn't demanding in its own ways, but I, I certainly felt the pressure to, to have to keep up on all of it. Right. It wasn't it wasn't the easiest thing to do. And then you you had an opportunity that you you were pursuing professional golf then after your your college golf days. Yeah, I actually took a break for a period of time and and was working in in student ministry in Southern California. Actually, a variety of different places, Texas and Southern California. I didn't actually think that I was going to play professional golf or competitive golf after college even though it sort of had been a dream for a long time to play the PGA Tour. Uh, but when I had started in ministry, I was I was like, okay, I'm done with golf. And then it's a long story, but I ended up going and playing professionally seven years and went to qualifying school for the PGA Tour five times. Uh, and that translated into doing chaplaincy in tour golf, which was what started bringing me to Idaho back in 2006 or seven. Right, and, and that's when you... Were- were you on staff with FCA? I was on staff. Yeah, I joined uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes Golf Ministry in two thousand end of two thousand six. However, I started coming to Idaho in two thousand three when I was actually playing. Playing came here and played a couple tournaments at the, yeah. at, the at the Boise Open. Yeah, qualifying for the Boise Open, I played the Idaho State Open as well. Okay, mm-hmm. wow, that's great. Well, going back a little bit, Ben, how did how did you come to know the Lord? So when my family moved to Orange County, California, we uh, were looking for churches, uh, and we ended up attending a a really, really small church. Uh, Some people might have heard of it. It's called Saddleback Church. (laughs) (laughs) And that's is that related at all to the college, or is that just no? It's not. You know, and for those who are familiar with Saddleback, it's gigantic. And Rick Warren. So at the time when we were living in Southern California, I. I was attending Saddleback when it was 800 people still in a high school, and now I was just on the campus and there. that's a still a big church, 800. It, yeah, it's gigantic if you think about it. But I, uh, compared to a lot of churches, but I was just on their campus a few, week, few weeks ago recording an interview, and it's amazing how that church has grown. But that I came to know Jesus at a junior high camp through Saddleback Church when I was wow. 13. at a camp. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep, camps are amazing. Yeah. They have a huge impact on people, and it certainly did that for me. Wow. So being a Christian, golfing in high school, golfing mm-hmm. in college, then being at a Pac-12 school. Back then it was probably Pac-10. It was Pac-10, yes. <laughs> uh, how, did, how did golfing for the Lord and, and your Christianity, how did that help you in, in those times of pressure, those times of, uh, of stress uh, when you've got a lot going on academically, especially at a, a Pac-12 school? Pac-10 school. <laughs> yeah, I think at that time, I, from about 19 years old, my focus in competitive golf was always different than I think people around me. Mm-hmm. I, I realized pretty early that God had given me an ability to play golf at a very high level, but it wasn't just for myself, and that there was a reason that I was out there. And not everybody in culture is able to make it into all different types of environments, and I realized that I was gifted to be able to play a sport at a high level, and that put me in that context. Right. And so my focus always was about 
what might God have for me to do in this environment while I'm competing more so than it was trying to be number one in the world. Uh, that w- Even when I was playing professionally, I saw it very much as a missionary opportunity into a context that not everybody can get into. And, and that was a, a focus that I had for most of my career, well, pretty much all of my career as mm-hmm. a collegiate athlete as well as a professional athlete. Wow. Well, folks, if you're just joining us here on Heart of the Athlete this morning, we're visiting with uh, Ben Bost. He's uh, a co-founder of the Love and Transformation Institute here in Boise. And um, but he also former FCA staffer for almost ten years, and that's how we got to know each other. That's right. And, uh, I know you were coming up here doing chapels right. at the Albertsons Boise Open. Was it called Albertsons Boise Open back then? I think it's been that for a long time. Yeah, Albertsons has been involved. They've forever. been a huge sponsor. I know that. Yeah. And um, but um, you'd come up, and you, you of course had just great relationships with these these guys these golfers and right. many times you know we'd have a a chapel and you would let us um invite we'd try to i'd try to get a, a location if we didn't couldn't get somebody's home we would use the, the clubhouse and then you would maybe have a player speak um give a little short testimony um give some highlights maybe what's going right. on uh, I just remember it was a fun atmosphere. There was lots of uh, uh, camaraderie amongst the players. Of course, they're traveling from site to site every week or every other week. And some of them have girlfriends. Some of them have wives. Some of sure. them have bring their parents along. Right. <laughs> remember those days? <laughs> oh, yeah. I know you know those well. It was one of my highlights every year was coming to Boise, you know, because like you and I had talked about, I had wanted to live here for so long. Mm-hmm. And so every year it was a very special place to come to. Yeah. And working together with you and doing that chapel and providing the food and everything that we would do to create that warm environment for the players that they don't often get on the road was was pretty special. Well, we, I just appreciate how you would um, allow allow me to bring maybe a few of my board members or some, some donors or some people that were just were, really love golf and we're golf enthusiasts and maybe watch the golf channel a lot and knew some of these players <laughs> right. too. So, yeah. well, um, why, um, why FCA? Why be involved with FCA? You were on staff for almost 10 years and I know God's called, called you out of that into something else that's really passionate. And we're going to talk about that here in these next couple of minutes, but why FCA? Gosh, that is a multi-layered question. So I'll try to answer that as succinctly as I can. I think for me, I mentioned that I went to junior college for a year, and I the first time I ever encountered FCA, I looked into the baseball field and saw a banner on the back fence for FCA. And I was like, what is that? I'd never heard of Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I called the number, and instantly they had me involved in being a huddle leader at a camp that summer for golf. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's one aspect is it gives – Athletes who have a passion for Jesus, but also their sport, an environment to be able to go and serve and to, to really find a, a tangible and practical way of being involved in the lives of others with, uh, through you know, this loving relationship they have with their Lord, but also the sport that they love. Mm-hmm. So that's one element. I think another critical piece about FCA is the contact that FCA has directly with coaches and athletes around the country mm-hmm. at the public school level which is incredibly important today. I mean, this is a lot of what we're talking about right. as we're meeting recently yeah. about how to uh, influence and encourage those coaches, especially with what's going on today in our society. Right. So for me, FCA, I think, is critical today because of specifically the emphasis on the coach 
and the ability for that coach to influence the lives of not only just athletes, but even other students on campus. Mm-hmm. Well, and you, you mentioned that we've been meeting lately. I know that um, uh, you're, you know, we've been talking about these issues of anxiety and depression right. and even suicide and right. the effects of, of stress and, and, and pressure and just right. the, the number of things that contribute to that in, in our young people, not just young people, mm-hmm. but, you know, college age and adults as well. Correct. And uh, so tell us a little bit about that, you know, uh, about your work with Love and Transformation, but also about, you know, some of the things that you and I have been, been talking about and what, what we'd like to see um, happen. Yeah, I guess in my background, because I spent so many time, so much time working directly with people, professional athletes or business leaders, helping them navigate personal and professional issues. It's something that I've been doing for a long time. Love and Transformation is a a leadership and organizational development nonprofit focused on the next generation. And because that's what we do, we sat down and we go, what are the questions? Like, what are the things that the next generation is going to be coming to the table with? And what we discovered and, and somewhat sort of knew going into it was anxiety and depression was going to be a big one. Uh, also, institutional distrust is another one, where the next generation really doesn't trust family, church, education, government, those types of things to provide for them mm-hmm. direction and how to live life. Uh, it's a very challenging situation we have today in uh, Gen Z or iGen, uh, the millennial generation, where the rates of anxiety and depression are at an epidemic level. Um, we're also experiencing an epidemic of suicide in our culture. If you read or watch the news or any of those things, you'll see report after report coming out. And so for us, we have to be asking the question, if we have direct contact with people or coaches, how do we be, be prepared to deal with this in our society? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, is, it is of uh, incredible importance today for us to be asking that question. Uh, as far as me, I have my own story. I went through seven years of depression in my 20s. Uh, and I and and struggled with suicidal ideation, and so I have a real heart for it. And trying to understand how do we move into this and prepare those who are working directly with others, as well as myself, to be able to lean into it in an encouraging way. Right. Well, I think it's it's been really fun to see how God has brought us back together to work. With, I know to partner in this as yeah. we or you know just. The starting really, you know, because obviously the, the the folks that we minister to, coaches and athletes, they're in yeah. a oftentimes a pressure cooker situation uh, at their school or on their team, or at least they feel like that. It may not in all reality be that way, but they feel that way. Yeah, and uh, and the whole being involved in a performance based activity with sports and and being judged by the win and loss or the points or whether they play or whether or not and all those things and then you throw in other contributors like a lot of people talk about social media and things like sure. that um, what would you have to say to people that you know that are, are are trying to sort this out you know with sports and club 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 sports and yeah. social media and te- and you know you, the cell phone and all that I think that is a very important question that you just asked, because when you see epidemics like this happening in our culture, people tend to look at it and go, they'll ask the question, what is going on? And it seems a bit like a mystery. Um, although if you, if you just spend a little bit of time looking at it, it's not that much of a mystery. And I know this is a sports-related show, and obviously sports includes competition. 
But if you really want to understand what is taking place in our society and culture today, we have to understand the reality of competitive society. And the Western society is a a hyper-competitive society and has multiple layers. Like, we can sit here and talk a bunch about competition related to sport. And we know that when we get on the field or go to practice, anxiety goes up performance anxiety and all the requirements and those things but the next generation really is coming into life experiencing anxiety at multiple different levels before they ever show up on the field if we're talking about competitive athletes we have an economic competition going on Mm -hmm. we have an academic competition going on athletic and a social one you reference social media the way i characterize the social media competition is one that's playing itself out it's a social it's a competition for who's happiest playing itself out in social media in non-reality which is a game no one wins. Mm-hmm. And so we really have to take a larger view and and contextualize it in light of our society as it's operating as a whole and the pressures that people are feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh it's really on overdrive. Right. And um I did a talk last week at Faith Community Bible Church titled You Are Not Your Smartphone. If anybody's interested in in hearing more about this, they can go to their YouTube channel and see it. But it's important that we understand what's behind the scenes if we are wanting to equip ourselves to be prepared to lean into the lives of other people who might be struggling. Right. Well, I think in a lot of ways you think about the – you mentioned the academic pressure. I think there's more than ever it's – you know, high schools um, and, and high, school, high school programs are trying to push kids to get a lot of college credits right. and decide what you want to do sooner and earlier in life and getting those kids, you know, they got to they got to figure it out. They got to figure it out. And and then sports is, <clears throat> you know, it's just pushed younger and younger age. And then you throw in the competition part of it and it puts those kids at a much younger age in a pressure cooker as far as that goes and so all those things coupled together add in social media add in other things and man we've got a we've got a situation where there's so many kids it seems like in their junior high and high school age that are on medication for something to dealing with around this this topic yeah and it's producing uh, and the research i've done it's it's producing a perfectionism in people today like we've never seen before in society. I mean, you, you referenced youth sports. The professionalization of youth sports is, to me, just, in one sense, interesting. On the other hand, uh, very concerning. The fact that, you know, you play baseball now, and it's, if you're any good, it's club, and it's a hitting coach, and it's a agility coach or whatever, and then it's also a sports psychologist, and seems like it's 365 days a year, seven days a week with no breaks, and you're going to school. Right. The pressure is insane for for young athletes uh, to try to figure it out. And so we have to be aware of of what we're putting the next generation, the environments we're putting them into, I think. We need to be more thoughtful. Right. I know we just have a couple minutes, Ben, but I know know, some of the things we've been talking about is is really – in terms of remedy, and I know we can't solve this <laughs> problem really easy, but we know the one who can, and that's right. Jesus Christ. And having more and more people know who created them and know why they were created is is a part of this, is a big 
big piece of this. In 30 seconds, what, you know, before we, <laughs> this time has flown by. <laughs> what else would Maybe you Maybe we should do it again. <laughs> I know. I, we need to do a part two. <laughs> That's but fine. What, what else would you say, you know, maybe there's some people out there listening this morning that, are, that have, maybe they've, they've recognized some of this in their own kids or their grandkids or aunt and, aunts and uncles. You know, what, what would you say, obviously, pray to the Lord to give you wisdom and how to navigate these waters. But what else would you advice would you give those, those folks? Yeah, I would say hopelessness doesn't just show up in a person. It, it happens in, in very specific areas. And I would, I would say it's four areas, relational, emotional, intellectual, and vocational. And I, if you view them as like tanks filled with water, when those tanks deplete in any of those areas, a person's, they will start lacking hope. I mean, there's a fifth tank I didn't talk about, which is the eternal tank, which is the one that Jesus fills. And we have eternal hope because of that. But practically in life, there are these aspects that we're all dealing with. Mm -hmm. If I had to emphasize one right now for the sake of time and just the end of the show, it would be that relational one. We need relationship with others. Yeah, There's a disconnectedness going on in relationship in our culture that is easier to solve than we might think if we just care. Right. We just simply lean into the lives of other people and say, I care about you. How are you doing? What's going on? Right. And actually listen. Right. And so that would be my short answer. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and obviously, as followers of Jesus, you know, we have everything to provide hope for others. Yeah. And it's just uh, being Praise aware God. and wanting to do it. Yeah. Well, folks, we've been visiting this morning with Ben Bost, uh, co-founder of Love and Transformation Institute here in Boise and uh, former FCA staffer. And that's how we get to know each other. Yeah. And Ben, <laughs> thanks for taking the time to be on the show this morning. And uh, if folks are, um, if their interest has been piqued this morning about what we've been talking about here yeah. this last half of the program, um, they can get a hold of us, but they can also get some more information. Like you mentioned, the, the website or the uh, the YouTube channel of the of Faith right. Community Church. But there's also our website, loveandtransformation.org, which it's spelled out, loveandtransformation.org. Okay. Uh, one thing is we're having a symposium in May in Scottsdale, Arizona, on anxiety, depression, and suicide, and they'll be able to find out information about their, that there as well. Wow, that's great. I feel like we've just scratched the surface. I think we have. It's a big and, topic. Uh, so let, let's let's get you back in here, and we can uh, we can talk more about this. and. Uh, so, well, thanks again, Ben, and thank you, thanks Ken. for being on the show. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. If you are interested in getting involved with FCA or would like to donate to the FCA ministry, you can contact us through the FCA Idaho website at fcaidaho.org. Join us next week for The Heart of the Athlete, a production of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in Idaho and KBXL, The Voice. Yeah.